And a great day to you. Thank you for joining me again on this episode of Focus on Fertility. I'm your host, Dale Boehner. Today we're going to be talking a little bit about some later advancements in some t- science and technology that is taking place with the re- uh, result to improving outcomes with IVF, specifically for those individuals who may have um, low sperm counts and sperm that has low quality issues, actually. And today with us, we have Henry Clemente of Clemente Associates. He is joining us from Connecticut. Thank you so much for taking time out today to join us. You're very welcome. I'm looking forward to it. So, Henry, give us a little background on uh, your background as, as a whole. How did you get involved in really looking into magnetic nanoparticles and specifically with fertility? Well, my background is in chemistry and engineering. I'm a biochemist, bachelor level, and some graduate work in immunochemistry. My, uh, over the last 30 years, we have been involved with a lot of work with cells, human cells primarily. And what we noticed in the very beginning is that once you start tampering, for lack of a better word, with a cell, you activate it. And that activation causes thousands of reactions to take place inside and outside of a cell. And it dawned on us that these reactions are of such a nature that we may be able to attract those cells that have been activated for good or bad. And in the last 30 years, we have worked in areas that uh, have been involved with the diagnostic use of magnetic particles, therapeutic use, imaging uses, and and uh, situations like that. Now, our company consists of about 15 people worldwide. Most of them outside this country are embryologists. But we've done a lot of work in the very beginning with animals. And we worked with the University of Missouri doing purifications of bovine sperm. We have worked, and from that, we started to gather a lot of knowledge. Uh, The interest there was not only purification of the sperm population, but also gender selection. We then uh, have a good arrangement with uh, Mississippi State University, which we work with porcine, with pig sperm. And again, their interest is both purification, and gender. Uh, We are now doing a lot of work with the equine industry. And in this case, we have been purifying and gender selecting sperm for polo horses. And a lot of these polo horse embryos are coming out of Argentina and South America. They're shipped worldwide and then impregnated in, in a mare in some other country. We also have done a lot of work with, uh, um, I want to say, non-sperm related, but reproductively related applications out at Wayne State University Medical School. And this involves isolating fetal cells after five weeks pregnancy. And I'll get into that a little later on. when you uh, ask me other questions. 
So what are magnetic nanoparticles? And you're, you're talking about a bunch of uses that you guys are seeing, but are there other uses outside of uh, the infertility world that nanoparticles are utilized for? Oh, yeah, yeah. The original, I worked for a company, and we originally got the patent for I, for MRI contrast agents. And MRIs typically don't have the sensitivity to discriminate cells or cell fragments that are smaller than a millimeter. When you use these magnetic particles, then you could enhance that image so you could discriminate metastasized cancer cells. We, to talk about non-reproductive uh, medicine type applications, we've also done a lot in the world of immunology. If you want to stimulate your own immunological system by applying a drug, you could measure the immunological response by looking at different cell types. So with the HIV patients, they'll, they'll be given a cocktail of drugs, and then you'll take a blood sample and you'll look for the population of what's called CD8 cells versus CD4 cells. And these ratios start to tell you about the efficacy of the treatment for that. We've done a lot of work with, uh, uh, as I started to say, non-invasive testing for fetal cells or rare cells. When a mother, if, I mean, if you're five weeks pregnant and you want to know the genetic composition of your offspring, it's impossible. But recently with the work that we did at Wayne State, you will be able to get a cell non-invasively with a, essentially a, uh, what they call a, a wash. And you will get maternal cells, ten, for every fetal cell, you'll get 10,000 maternal cells. And we have been able to find that so-called needle in, a, in the haystack. Now, what does that mean? Well, now, if you're five weeks pregnant, and you want to know whether or not there's any kind of genetic problem, Down syndrome, for example. You can now analyze the nucleus or the DNA, pardon me, of that fetal cell, and you only need a few hundred to determine whether or not there's some genetic disorder. Uh, cancer cells. We've looked at cancer cells that have metastasized in the blood. And again, this is a case of rare cell events. So when you're talking about populations of cells that are 10,000, 20,000, and your target is only one out of them, it gets very difficult to take this particle, which is composed of magnetite, and this magnetite has a magnetic resonance associated with it. And the chemistry that goes on that magnetic particle is specifically targeted to whatever cell you want to either deplete or save. For example, in stem cells, people, stem cells have been around for 50 years. It's just recently, through the use of technologies like ours, that you could now isolate them, capture them, purify them, and then stimulate that cell to produce a whole bunch of other type of tissues that you might want. So that gives you a rough idea of some of the other applications that are being used with uh, these types of particles.
That's interesting uh, to hear about uh, the the five week pregnancy. Is that similar to like the NIPT test that now patients have to wait to like twelve weeks to be able to do tests with? Amniocentesis or chorionic villus sampling. Uh, those are inv- don't forget uh, that's amniocentesis. Those are invasive technologies in which you have to draw a a sample of fluid from the mother. Right, you have to inject right into that embryonic cavity, and that's around 14 weeks. The uh, the I think if I'm, it's about a 20% failure rate. So you have to have it done again. So on average, the sample might be 14 weeks. The testing might be another week or two. So before you have any knowledge of uh, what decision you want to make. It could be 15, 16 weeks. With the newer stuff we're doing now, the sample could be drawn within five weeks, and you'll have an answer in six weeks. That's that's just incredible. Uh, how other ways is the nanoparticles being utilized to help improve uh, fertility and fertility treatment outcomes? Well, if, if you look at the composition, the whole purpose for sperm, it's uh, to carry DNA. It's a transport system. And that transportation system has only one goal in mind, and that goal is to penetrate an egg and deposit the contents of that DNA into the egg. What we have learned, as I said earlier, there's a cellular communication process that takes place. When that DNA is disrupted, altered, or changed, it sends a chemical signal to the surface of that sperm cell. And that signal is telling that cell there's something wrong. Now, we are able to determine chemically what that chemical signal is, and then we make a particle that targets that problem. But there's usually more than one problem when a sperm cell goes awry, and it could be three or four different problems. Now, the standard way of selecting sperm is motility. If it moves, and if it moves in a straight line, traditionally, that's good enough. What we're finding out today is that's really not good enough because just moving in a straight line is a physical parameter. It doesn't tell you anything about that cargo or that DNA. So we are able to pick up and remove fragmented DNA sperm, sperm that's morphologically altered in that cellular structure, sperm that doesn't have the right acrosome or head piece that's used to penetrate the egg. And that enables us to, we don't make cells, we don't make new cells. What we do is get rid of, we deplete the damaged ones. So it's a negative depletion technique that chemically targets surface markers for damaged sperm. And we use a multitude of markers in each one of the treatments. So from kind of going off of what you said earlier in the, in the presentation was it's kind of like uh, taking a haystack and, and whittling away different pieces of the haystack to find that hopeful needle that's buried down in there. Is that correct? That's correct. That's correct. Yeah. Now, is this 
methodology being utilized commonly across uh, the ART community, or is this still relatively newly being utilized? It's relatively new. It's growing. For example, we have facilities in Canada. We have several in the United States that are starting up. Uh, and we have some in, um, uh, in the Mideast. We are also starting some programs in South America with different clinics down there. So it's starting to take off now. Uh, because the interest is the age of, the age of moms today that want to have children. Because of the delays, you know, you get out of school, you're in debt up to your eyeballs. You get a, you get a job and you're, you can't plan your family until you're, until you're at a point where you could afford it. Now, what we've discovered is in that 35 to 37 age bracket, by using our technology, people are finding that more than 50% of the uh, fertility rates of that fertilized embryo has the correct number of chromosomes. Without using that technology, without using our technology, you may be in that 25% range. Now, when you're, when you're over 40, and a woman over 40, you know, probabilities are low of birth, but probabilities of having the correct number of chromosomes is pretty good using our treatment. We have found like 55% of the embryos are with the correct number of chromosomes versus 28% without the treatment. So I think we're moving with uh, the technology into older types of patients, and that's where people are moving these days. And I do believe uh, our sponsor clinic, uh, MCR Fertility, they utilize a technique similar to this, correct? Yes, they do. They use our technology, and they have treated several hundred, several hundred patients. I'd say maybe 400 or more patients at MCRM, yes. And they have shown improved fertilization rates. Uh, MCRM is in that 70 to 80 percent fertilization rate versus, I want to say, a national average of maybe 40 to 50 percent. So, yeah, MCRM is doing um, quite well and they're getting very good results. We had some clinical testing done uh, at some hospitals and clinics, and we recently had um, what's called uh, a compaction rate data. Now, compaction rate means once that embryo is formed, it has to have the right structure before it'll attach to the uterus. And the sperm that have the correct DNA, no damage, form that cell structure in such a way that the embryo is attached without any difficulties. In other words, we're getting 70% better attachment than standardized methods using the particle treatment. So after it's attached, then it's a matter of the embryonic genome taking over and then synchronizing with the uterus to make sure that that embryo now develops into a larger cell structure and ultimately a baby. 
these are some very exciting numbers and, and uh, it's exciting technology because, as you mentioned, the ages of individuals wanting to have children definitely is increasing. And and for the first time, I, I believe it was the 2016, 17 data I just recently looked at, it was for the first time since like the 1960s, women over the age of 30 were had become the larger group over the 20 year olds and having children in the United States. So that trend, I don't think is going to be changing anytime soon, largely because that, that seems to be our social habits now. And when you look at how many, uh, when you look at the national statistics, I think two years ago, 2% of all the births in this country, and that's over 3 million, 2% were the result of IVF treatments. And that trend, just like, just like your trends with your podcast are, are growing because of the age issues. Well, Henry, this is exciting. Uh, what do you see coming around the corner? Um, is there other developments that are kind of in the works that, uh, maybe new developments in the near term? Yeah. What we're, what we're looking at, on a long scale, on a long term basis, is can we isolate those sperm that are carrying a defective gene for autism? Uh, you know, I, I forget the exact number, but we're showing like what? One out of 70 births today is an autistic child. And with some people in Texas, one of the universities in Texas thinks that they have markers, surface markers. And if they have a marker, I could I could make the chemistry that targets that market, marker. And if we could do something for autism, I think that would be that would be absolutely wonderful. That, that would be a groundbreaking uh, yeah. result, definitely, because uh, yeah. that is definitely big in the news these days. Well, Henry, thank you so much for spending some time with us today, and uh, we'll look forward to hopefully following up with you and getting some updates on uh, maybe that autism marker. Uh, in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. If you've been trying to start your own family and haven't had success, you're not alone. Millions of people just like you are experiencing the same very personal and painful frustration. Infertility affects men and women equally. The Missouri Center for Reproductive Medicine, MCRM Fertility, can help. MCRM accepts most insurance and you don't need a referral. They offer the most advanced science and technology, including exclusive techniques and the embryo scope. Check them out at mcrmfertility.com. Thank you goes out to Henry Clemente of Clemente Associates for joining us today and enlightening us about the technology of sperm selection and the use of nanoselection for the use in assisted reproductive technologies. Really some exciting uh, results and advancements being reported there and the expansion of that technology now kind of developing across the United States and the globe. And I think it's real exciting, the possibilities that there could be a marker coming to help with the detection of autism. And we'll definitely keep up to date with those developments and share those with you here with future podcasts on Focus on Fertility. Don't forget, you can always get caught up to date with all the episodes of Focus on Fertility by visiting us at FocusOnFertility.net. You can also listen in as well as subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio Network, 
and Podcast One. And if you have questions regarding this episode or any previous episodes or have future ideas of episodes you'd like to hear, please email me at questions at focusonfertility.net. Till we meet again next week, wishing you the very best of health.